Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you to cover the post draft shenanigans. That took place in the NFL this past weekend with my good buddy, Rich Hill. Ooh. Rich Hill, the draft is in the books. The Patriots have some new players. I'm excited to break them down with you. How you doing, bud? Alec, can you think of a better draft than what the Patriots just had here? Honestly, I, I am over the moon with how the Patriots drafted, how <laughs> the board fell out, what they were able to accomplish. The fact that they haven't even added any undrafted free agents doesn't even phase me. Alec... This is just the best draft I can remember. I'm going to say two words to you, Rich Hill, that I never thought I would ever say on the Pat's Pulpit podcast. And those two words are exciting offseason. That is what's been going on from the opening legal tampering period through free agency to the draft. This has been the most enjoyable offseason I've had as a fan. It probably goes hand in hand with the fact that last season they missed the playoffs for the first time in forever. I see there's really a correlation there. But, yeah, man, I mean, usually what Patriots fans resign themselves to come draft weekend is they're going to trade out of the first round. They're going to take a DB in the second round. They're going to move up and down the board, stockpile picks for next year, and then we'll come out with some good prospects that no one will really, really excited about. But in terms of the talent level they've got, especially in the first four rounds or so, this is probably the best draft I've personally ever seen the Patriots have. Oh, totally. I mean, like, let, let's start there. Let's start with the first round, because that is where the Patriots selected their quarterback of the future, Mac Jones, at 15th overall. They didn't have to trade around to get that to happen. That was something that, you know, whatever the mock draft prognosticators were thinking, Mac Jones was one of the top quarterbacks available in the entire draft. He had the most efficient season in college football history last year, albeit throwing to some of the most insane collection of talent that any quarterback in college football has ever had assembled. But the Patriots picked him at 15th overall. Alec, what was going through your head as that happened? So when Mac Jones was available at 15. And I was like, well, here it comes. Here comes the trade down or the trade out because I've been a Patriots fan since 1991 or so, and I don't remember a single scenario where anybody predicted who the Pats are going to pick in the first round. And so there's just no way it's going to happen. Mac Jones is there. He's going to be available. The Pats are going to trade down. Someone else is going to take him, and then there's going to be an absolute field day with Bill Belichick's arrogance. But But there he was, and I always thought he was the best fit for the Patriots system. I was excited to see Justin Fields dropping down the board, so there's always a chance they get him. I thought he'd been a great fit as well, but in terms of just like a pocket passer, 
uh, accurate passer, very smart, high football IQ, a Saban guy. It just makes so much sense. Um, and I was so happy to have it because, again, it's weird that we I thought they'd pick him and they picked him, but I, I, I love the fact that he can learn under Cam Newton for a year, and I think come this time next year, Rich, we're going to talk about getting him some really cool weapons. So I am so happy with this pick. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think what was going through my head is that when the Falcons picked Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida, fourth overall, I was like, oh. Okay, some of these quarterbacks are going to start falling because that means that teams aren't being so overly aggressive that they might not be available. And so then, you know, Pitts went at four. Chase, the wide receiver out of LSU, went to the Bengals at five to his old quarterback, Joe Burrow. Then Jalen Waddle went to the Dolphins at six. And that meant that teams just weren't trading up. And so the Lions, they got the offensive tackle. And then the Panthers and the Broncos, the two teams that I had my eyes on as being, you know, quarterback needy teams they didn't take a quarterback. I don't understand that. But the Panthers went uh, cornerback with J.C. Horn, uh, son of Joe Horn. And then the Broncos went Patrick Sertain, son of Patrick Sertain. Uh, but they went <laughs> cornerback back-to-back. And those were two teams that I thought definitely needed a quarterback. And with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance off the board, that meant that I thought Justin Fields or Mac Jones were going to go to those teams. To be like quite honest, I thought that uh, Justin Fields made great sense for the Panthers and Mac Jones made great sense for the Broncos. And so I was shocked shocked that they both passed them and so then okay you have these two great quarterbacks going down the board the Patriots had a really good chance of getting them because you know the Eagles they obviously wanted a wide receiver they got Devonta Smith they're going to make Jalen Hurts their quarterback of the future then the Bears you know they, they went up and, and they got Justin Fields so good for them Fields came off the board Ohio State quarterback going to Chicago good for them you know, Fields, great fit for them. Andy Dalton was not going to be their quarterback of the future. But looking at the other teams on the board, Cowboys, they needed a linebacker. They really did. Uh, you know, Vander Esch has been dealing with injuries. They needed help at the linebacker spot. Sean Lee retired. Then you had the Chargers, who apparently were just not going to trade. They were just not going to trade out. They saw Rayshon Slater, the offensive lineman from Northwestern, on the board, and so they wanted it. And so... You had the Minnesota Vikings, who apparently really wanted to get Justin Fields. They just couldn't find a team to trade up with. And so they traded down with the New York Jets. And when the New York Jets traded into that spot, I was like, they took Zach Wilson second overall. They, so they don't need another quarterback. The Patriots are going to get Mac Jones. And I, first off, I don't know why the Jets needed to trade ahead of the Patriots to get an offensive yeah. lineman. I thought they had a good draft overall, but that was a very unnecessary Jets move. But I could not believe that the Patriots got Mac Jones. I completely agree with you. I think he's the best fit for this team. And my question to you, Alec, at what point do you think he'll be the Patriots' starting quarterback? Uh, if I had my way, Rich Hill, it would not be until at very least late this year, slash he's the guy slated for starting 2022 right off the bat. I've always said this. I think the worst time to draft the quarterbacks when you need one and just throwing a rookie in there day one under center in an NFL that is vastly different than the college game is usually a recipe for disaster. Unless you've got kind of an Andrew Luck, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine, but these kind of blue chip generational talent just don't come along that often. And the NFL is lousy with first round quarterbacks. They throw in there right away. That just kind of flame out. So for have Bill, have Mac Jones under Cam Newton with Bill Belichick, with Josh McDaniels, learn for a year, 
pick up the system, see how the game moves, and if the Pats are out of it come December, let's throw him in there, get him some reps. But I do not want to see him start until next year. But that's just me. It's always, in my opinion, on rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with that. I think what's also beneficial is to get Cam Newton actual year in the system. I thought he looked pretty good at the start of the year before he got COVID, and then, you know, things went downhill. But also, the Patriots didn't have anyone on offense, you know, so not, not really an indictment of Cam Newton so much as an indictment on the entire offense. But now the Patriots have two great tight ends in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. They added a good speedster in Nelson Aguilar. Jacoby Myers will have another year of experience. I think Kendrick Bourne will be a really good number three receiver. And so all of these players are going to give Cam Newton a better set of skill players. Uh, you know, and Cam Newton has historically done really well with tight ends, thinking of Greg Olson. So Cam Newton will be in a much better uh, place to actually have an opportunity to succeed. And I want to see that. I, I, I think that he is someone that uh, is a good professional. He's someone that I think has been a good leader for the team. He's very charismatic, and uh, he should have that fair shot. He, he did everything for the team as a late pickup last year, and so having a full offseason I think will be beneficial. But as Bill Belichick said, if someone plays better than Cam Newton, they will be the starter. And so if Mac Jones comes out and is lights out during the offseason, if he has like just an undeniable rapport with all of these players, I think that Aguilar could really thrive. Uh, catching passes from Mac Jones because Jones has like a surprisingly good deep ball. Uh, despite maybe not having the best arm strength, he's able to have really good touch on it. Um, I, I think that he is a great fit for kind of the the short and intermediate passes to the tight ends and the players in the slot like Myers and Bourne. Uh, and then he, he can win with some enough deep throws that uh, if, if he comes out and is just awesome, I'm not going to say let's sit him. I, I, if he comes out and outplays Cam Newton, then by all means he should start. And the plus side, man, I'll tell you, the, a rookie or a new quarterback's best friends are running backs and tight ends. And the Pats are going to be a very run-heavy team this year. We've already kind of predicted that. The tight ends are going to be a big part of the passing offense. They, they short up their offensive line. I do not think the pitchers offense under Cam Newton, under Mac Jones, under whoever's going to be the high-flying West Coast complicated offense. If they're going back to old school, they're going to grind them out. And if that's the case, that is the perfect scenario for a run quarterback to come along from out. So I think it's a win-win situation for the Patriots. Could not be more happy with their first-round pick. And I'll tell you what, Rich Hill, I could not be more happy with their second-round <laughs> pick, honestly. that The fact that uh, Christian Barmore, who was widely projected as the best defensive tackle in the draft, was available at 38. The Patriots were able to trade up and didn't package that many picks to get him. I think mm -hmm. they might have, I don't know if I'd say the steal of the draft, because round two is round two, but uh, I'm really excited by this guy as well. Another Alabama guy, another Saban guy, really going to shore up the run defense. Uh, he's in the running, at least for my favorite pick of the draft overall. Oh, I agree. I mean, they the Patriots gave up two fourth-round picks to move up in the second. You know, good deal for the Bengals, but it was a pretty even trade. I thought that the Barmore was going to go in the top ten. You know, honestly, he had that opportunity. I think he has some of the most upside of any defensive lineman we've ever seen coming out of Alabama. I know Pro Football Focus has been a huge fan of his, and they've been pretty good with their success rate on defensive front seven players, uh, just with the amount of disruption he's able to provide up front. Now, the Patriots use their defensive linemen, their interior defensive linemen, in a way that isn't really as conducive to being a super disruptive force up front, thinking of a lot more of being space eaters and allowing the linebackers to make the plays. But they haven't had a player like Barmore up front. You know, they have guys like Lawrence Guy that, you know, they now added Devon Godshaw and off the offseason. So they have some defensive linemen that can eat up space. 
But Barmore is a disruptor. And, and you think of how many plays Adam Butler was able to make up front, uh, you know, in the third down. I think that they're going to allow Barmore to be more of an attacker and allow the, the linebackers to kind of sit back and make plays, uh, you know, at the second level or behind. Uh, because when you have that type of disruptor, you allow them to do it. I don't think the Patriots have had this type of a talent uh, since maybe Akeem Hicks. And so I, I think that the Barmore pick, absolutely agreed, huge steal. I was shocked that he was going to be available. And the Patriots had to trade up to get him because you knew that the Lions were going to take a defensive tackle. Uh, they really needed help up front. Then the Falcons were in a position just to get the best defensive player they had on their board. So the Patriots had to leapfrog both of those teams. Um, and so very happy with the Barmore pick. I, I think that in my head, uh, he's probably going to be a starter, right? I mean, you have Lawrence Guy that they signed to a long-term deal. Devon Godshaw, they got there. I think those three are going to be your top guys on the field. And, I mean, instantaneously, the Patriots have completely remodeled their defensive front seven after having just such a disastrous last year against the run. I agree, Rich. I, I think that there's a very legitimate chance he starts. Uh, he had nine sacks, which is a lot for a defensive tackle in 2020. Uh, I will admit this, Rich, when I learned the Patriots had traded up in the second round, I was like, well, we got Mac Jones. I'm okay with the D3 safety that's coming right now. <laughs> but they really zigged when I thought they were going to zag. I definitely think he's a starter. Maybe not like an every-down starter, but definitely rotational guy. Patriots need a lot of help against the run. And I think that their, their defensive line is really coming into shape, uh, given the free agency oppositions and, and with Barmore. And behind him is going to be another great pick in the draft. I think he's someone who fell because of a the unforgivable and just disgusting act of a college student smoking pot every once in a while. <laughs> Uh, linebacker slash defensive end Ronnie Parkins out of Oklahoma. Uh, another beast. Five sacks, 23 tackles, 11 tackles for loss. Really, really good fit for the Patriots as well. Uh, I don't think there's really any kind of character issues here. I'm not worried about him not fitting in with the, with the team. I guess the only issue I'd have with, with Parkins is given the linebacker core right now, given their, their, their signings, given Josh Uche last year, I don't know exactly where Ronnie Perkins fits in as a rookie, but he'd definitely be a factor. I completely agree. And so my, my concern is that we, we tried this with Geno Grisham a few years back. Same spot, same team coming out of Oklahoma. Same sort of role for Oklahoma where he was used all over the defensive formation, and I think that's part of what drew the Patriots to Perkins. But I think Perkins is a whole different player uh, than Grisham. So that concern is a little bit alleviated. So Perkins has played every spot basically on the defensive line. He's played defensive tackle. He's played on the end. He's played standing up. He's done it all, and I, I think that he is going to be someone that really slides in uh, behind Matthew Judon, behind, uh, next to Chase Winovich. You know, you have a good rotation of players that can play with their hand in their dirt or stand up a little bit, but be very successful rushing the quarterback. Uh, and, you know, you have your hybrid linebacker edge players with your Kyle Van Noy and your Josh Uche. You can even throw Dante Hightower into it. But when you have someone like Perkins out there, someone who's so highly rated, you have Chase Winovich who's highly rated, uh, you know, Judon I think is a good pick. You have a really good rotation that allows the Patriots to generate a pass rush that they really haven't been able to do before. Uh, and, and I think just quoting some more pro football focus stats, he was the only player in college football last year to you know have an elite defensive uh, score against both the run and the pass. So uh, as a pass rusher at his position. And so I, they had that same thing with Chase Winovich. Uh, they've had it for Chase Young. They've had it for uh, the, the two brothers that uh, went to the Chargers as well as to the 49ers 
and and so they have a pretty good track record for successful edge players that have converted into like good NFL edge players. And Perkins is another one of them. And so I'm expecting good things from him. He's going to be a good spot on that rotation. And, uh, you know, honestly, the Patriots are in good hands up front with, as I said earlier, just all of these new faces to make it easier for a secondary that they didn't quite address in the draft. Alabama, Alabama, Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma, Rich. Uh, that's an interesting kind of rotation for the Patriots in the, their first four rounds. But, yeah, uh, I think they're in a great spot with that. And their fourth-round pick, I did not see this coming. I did not have this guy on my draft board for the Patriots at all. I thought if they were going to go with running back, they'd go maybe a little later in the draft, kind of like a smaller James White replacement. Mm-hmm. But instead, they went with the six foot one, 230-pound kind of anti-James White Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma, who also had the unforgivable crime of smoking weed in college and fell down the draft board. Definitely between the tackles running back, definitely a short yardage guy. Uh, I think he had uh, seven touchdowns in six games, which is a pretty good one. And he's actually a pretty talented pass catcher. Yep. Uh, 18 balls for about 200 yards or so. Not like a true receiving back the way that James White is. But uh, I think he's probably maybe like a bigger Rex Burkhead, if I had to make a comparison 100%. to him. Uh, and I like this pick a lot as well probably doesn't bode that well for Sony Michelle sticking around, given Damian Harris's contract and, and James White from last year, but uh, I think this is a, a good good combination of size, speed, and athleticism for the Patriots. Oh, I totally agree. Um, I, I mean, want to just highlight, he had 18 carries for 186 yards and a touchdown against Florida in the Cotton Bowl, so that's basically why Bill Belichick probably drafted him. He's like, oh, yeah, he did well against the SEC, so that's going to be my pick. Um, but I, I think that Stevenson is someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in the college level. Only 165 carries uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, he came from JUCO before. But he is someone who has been extremely productive. As you said, he is capable at receiving. Uh, but other things in his tally is that, A, uh, he's considered a reliable slash uh, high upside pat, uh, blocker, so blitz pickup, and then also special teams player. So exactly what you're saying, good Rex Burkhead replacement, uh, very high upside, like a good strong north-south runner. Uh, he's not going to make a ton of players miss, but he's going to barrel them over and just kind of wear down opposing defenses at 230 pounds. So mix of LeGarrette Blunt and Rex Burkhead, who plays special teams, Brandon Bolden-esque. That's a great pick. I, I think that's someone that has a spot on the game day roster that maybe he's not going to outplay Damian Harris. Maybe he's not going to outplay Sony Michelle on offense, but he gives the Patriots a reliable, you know, depth option on offense. Uh, someone who can run and catch and block. A three-tool player, you know, they have that with Damian Harris. They can have that with Stevenson. And that gives them a lot more flexibility uh, with, when they're trying to figure out how they want to wear down teams as this power-rushing offense, you know, with the giant Trent Brown, giant Michael Nwenu, great pass uh, block, uh, run blocker Shaq Mason. You have David Andrews back. This is going to be a big, heavy, beat-you-in-the-line-of-scrimmage sort of team. And Stevenson's a great running back for that style. So, Rich, at this early stage, do you see Stevenson as a, a regular rotation in the running game, maybe the goal line back, or they kind of limit his reps and build him as a, for the future? Where do you see his role being in 2021 as like a, in terms of his like actual like legit contribution to the team in the running game? 
Yeah, great question. I mean, I, I think based off of his special team's ability, I would be surprised if he was a game day inactive. You know, normally some of the players like your Shane Vereens and your James Whites of the world will be a game day inactive, but that's because they don't have as much special teams value. I think Stevenson at 230 pounds can play on special teams on game day, and that will be enough to have him active. In all honesty, he will be competing with Brandon Bolden for time on that roster. And I wouldn't be surprised if Stevenson beat Bolden and Bolden either became expendable or became that pure special teams player uh, in the way that Matthew Slater is or Justin Bethel. And so I think Stevenson has a path to the field through special teams. And if I am Bill Belichick, you know, and how he has treated special teams players in the past, if Stevenson is able to be a successful and valuable special teams player, that is how he will get more opportunities on offense. And that is how he steals time away from Sony Michelle. Uh, I think Harris and James White have solidified their roles on offense. I think that J.J. Taylor and Bolden are now on the bubble. And if Stevenson is able to be a reliable special teams player, the Patriots aren't going to rush him onto the field. But as you said, uh, he could be that Rex Burkhead type. And that means that the more flexibility that Stevenson provides on game day, not just on special teams, but as a runner and as a receiver, the more likely he's going to take time away from Michelle, who the team views for whatever reason as a one-tool player. I'll tell you as well, Rich, there's something about the third and fourth round that's really a sweet spot for running backs as well. So, again, I, I didn't think they needed a running back, but I'm glad they got one, and that position is, is pretty short up for the future. So that is the first four rounds of the draft, the first four picks the Patriots made. There are four more to break down with your Rich, rounds five, six, and seven. They made two picks in the sixth round. We're going to break those down before I wrap the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, we are back. First four rounds in the books at the Path to Pulpit Podcast. At this point, Rich, I think the first four rounds are rock solid. I think they're all going to be 2021 20, contributors. Rounds five, six, and seven, just in general, I feel like in the draft, they're kind of crapshoots. Sometimes you get lucky and you take some guy in the seventh round, used to be a receiver or a quarterback, and now he's a receiver and now Patriots Hall of Famer. Sometimes you get really lucky and take some quarterback in the sixth round who comes the greatest of all time. But a lot of times rounds five, six, and seven just never quite pan out. So at this point, I think we're playing with house money given this draft. And I think definitely is definitely exemplified by their fifth round pick out of Michigan, Cameron McGrone. This is their third consecutive Michigan linebacker, Chase Winovich in uh, 2019, Uche last year, and now McGrone, uh, coming off an ACL tear yep. in 2020. So I'm not sure he's really going to be a factor at all this season until 2022. Uh, he's a good player, high motor guy, I think high ceiling, um, but kind of a boom-bust player. I like the pick, but I'm not really uh, sold on him one way or another. It depends on the injury. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think Bill Belichick in his post-draft press conferences was quite open and honest about the fact that they're not expecting McGrone to do anything this year. Uh, so he's going to get like a medical redshirt season. He's going to spend some time in the Patriots, uh, you know, locker room, understanding the playbook, and he'll have a real shot in 2022. I, I think it's a testament to the University of Michigan, Don Brown leading that defense. 
where the Patriots feel very comfortable with getting these players and having their ability to transition into the NFL. Winovich has been a great pick. Uche showed a lot of promise last year. I think McGrone is someone who might have been a little overshadowed by his other linebacker out there. But that's also the case with Uche. That's also the case with Winovich. And so the Patriots have been very, very happy to take the other guy uh, when you're looking at who are the, the big-name players in these Michigan defenses. And so McGrone, yeah, as you said, he has a good nose for the ball. He's a good thumper. When healthy, he might be like maybe not in a Landon Roberts type uh, because he has a little bit better size. But I think that McGrone has more upside from uh, what his potential is. And he's only 20 years old. He has a promising future. And, uh, you know, at the worst case scenario, he might be able to contribute on special teams in the fifth round uh, when you're looking at 2022. And you're not really expecting too much more out of those players at the late points. And given the linebacker depth they already have, this is a great classic. This is probably maybe the first classic Bill Belichick pick they've made totally. so far. And that just is a depth guy looking in the future and beyond. And uh, it's, it's a good – and Michigan obviously has done pretty well for the Patriots from from Tom Brady to Winovich to Uche and, and others. So love the pick, but, again, not looking to him to make a big splash. Uh, a little history lesson, Rich Hill. When I was a young boy coming up in the late 80s and early 90s and <laughs> – rooting for this awful, awful Patriots team that I really like their uniforms and this cool little soldier-looking guy on their shiny silver helmet coming off those awesome red and white jerseys and legs and pants. And there was a draft back in the early 90s where the Patriots had the very high draft pick, and they took a guy named Drew Bledsoe. And Drew Bledsoe turned the franchise around. And so whenever I personally hear the name Bledsoe, I get a little warm and fuzzy inside. And while... The round six pick, Josh Bledsoe, is nothing like Drew Bledsoe because <laughs> he's a safety from Missouri as opposed to a quarterback from Washington. I love having a Bledsoe on the team. Uh, I don't know much about this guy, Rich. I don't know if you do. I know he was mm-hmm. kind of a very versatile player. He played some yep. linebacker, played some safety, played some slot quarterback, probably a good special teams player. I think he had 17 pass breakups in, over two seasons, so he's, he's got talent. But, I, again, given the, the current safety depth with Duggar and McCourty, I feel like another kind of depth guy to learn and get special teams dressed and maybe a contributor if he, if he can learn the system and learn the dynamics of the NFL. Uh, high upside, low downside. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that he is someone that can contribute on special teams as well. Uh, the Patriots have made it very clear that they want to find a good long-term Patrick Chung replacement in this defense because of how important that role is as being a flexible, uh, you know, Slot guy, linebacker, strong safety, able to cover tight ends and running backs. It's a very, very important role. That's what Bledsoe was for the University of Missouri. He was, you know, a quarterback growing up, uh, but then he transitioned to the defensive side. So he, he has a good mind out there. He was a little bit of a maybe reckless player out there when it comes to his coverages. He, he is someone that really needs to settle down and take some coaching with regards to how to allow the plays to develop as opposed to being a little over-aggressive. But he has that upside. And, yeah, I mean, it's clear that the Patriots added Jalen Mills this year. They brought in uh, Adrian Phillips the year before. So this is where Bledsoe fits in. He's that flex kind of a guy. If he pans out, that's great. If not, no big deal. Uh, it's a sixth-round spot. But even with that size and skill set, that makes him a you know kind of a quality special teams player at the very least. But you don't really expect too much from your sixth-round picks uh, at 188 overall. And so you just take the guys that you want to have uh, in your building as you know a quote-unquote priority free agent. So the players that you just want to get dibs on. And so Bledsoe, 
maybe he wasn't as highly regarded as a safety prospect. He's someone that the Patriots clearly have a vision for uh, on game day. Just to be a turd in the punch bowl for a second, Rich Hill, I feel like 188 would have been a perfect draft slot for Jordan Richards and would have saved us all a lot of, <laughs> a lot of heartache. So I see some similarities there. Moving on. This is a happy time. I'm not going to get into that anymore. Round six, another classic Bill Belichick pick in an offensive lineman with versatility. William Sherman out of Colorado. He played both tackle spots as well as center at Colorado, which means he's got a great backup potential. Offensive line's pretty well set for the Patriots, but as we all know in that awful 2015 season where they had to field anybody that could get out there that was fat enough to sit there, it's always good to have offensive line depth. Don't see Sherman doing much this season, but a good guy to have in, in a pinch. Yeah, totally. I mean, if he's someone that can develop into a tackle, that's great. I think Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman, thought uh, really good things about Sherman. He he has some technique issues that he needs to iron out, but he has a pretty good base of uh, you know athleticism and skill set. So he could be groomed into that. The issue is that he's six foot three, three hundred and four pounds, and the Patriots. Oh, hey, coincidentally, Isaiah Wynn, same sort of mold. Um, so that's someone that the Patriots can view as a potential NFL offensive tackle. It's very clear that that's the type of player that they want out for some reason, uh, relative to you know Trent Brown on the right side, and you know there were a handful of offensive tackle prospects still available on the board at that time that were pretty highly rated. Thinking specifically of Stone Forsythe out of the University of Florida. But Forsyth is one of those players that's like six foot eight, three hundred and seven pounds, uh, and so that's who the Patriots traditionally have targeted at that tackle spot. So the fact that they went with William Sherman at that position uh, indicates to me that they're a little bit more flexible with how they want to evaluate these offensive linemen. Uh, they think that Sherman has some potential, potentially on the left side, uh, you know, behind Isaiah Wynn due to that similar mold, or, uh, you know, he has that flexibility to kick inside if they think that he could provide that uh, in a little bit of a Michael Unwainu sort of style. I don't think anybody's ever doing cartwheels over a six-round offensive lineman pick, but these are the kind of picks that really build and maintain teams over generations and years and years because these are the guys that end up being in the trenches when you need them the most so best of luck to him again not seeing or expecting much out of him this season but another great pick and then the last pick of the draft rich i think is a pretty special pick for uh, a pretty special reason trey nixon the wide receiver out of ucf who began his career in ole miss yep. who didn't really do much there before he transferred broke his collarbone stood out at all at a uh, ucf but not a a mega game breaker or anything like that however um, there's a pretty special thing about Trey Nixon, and uh, I'm glad to let you kind of ex- fill people in on it. Yeah, totally. So this was the very last draft for Patriots uh, something or other. No one knows what his role is. Ernie <laughs> Adams. Uh, so Ernie Adams has been with Bill Belichick for decades, and he has been advising him, helping him from an analytical perspective. Uh, for those that don't know Ernie Adams uh, but are listening to this, uh, welcome to being a Patriots fan. Uh, Ernie Adams was a more hedge fund guy, really big into economics. Uh, and, and so he has been the reason why the Patriots have applied a lot of economic modeling into how they build their roster and have like more efficient sort of processes. And so Trey Nixon is someone who uh, Bill Belichick you know, made a nice announcement. There's a video on the Patriots Twitter where Bill Belichick announced that this was Ernie Adams' last draft with the Patriots last season as a full-time staff member. And so uh, he, he referenced a, a former Patriots pick as David Gibbons, uh, who was a huge part of the Patriots' Super Bowls in the early uh, 
uh, dynasty that uh, that was Adams who chose uh, David Gibbons, and so he said, Ernie, this is your last pick as a full-time member of the Patriots before you retire. You Can you do the honors of drafting the you know this very last player in this draft? And so this is who Ernie Adams chose. This is who he walked up to the, the magnet board and said, this is who I want my last pick to be. And it was Trey Nixon. And so Nixon, six foot two, uh, you know, a little bit of a skinny guy at 180 pounds. He is someone that, uh, as you mentioned, is, you know, not, hasn't been the guy for UCF. He transferred over. Um, but I, for my money, for looking at all of these last round picks, he's someone who I think might have the best shot of being a contributor. Strictly because of the Ernie Adams connection or because of the, the, the tangibles he brings to the field? 100% Ernie Adams. 100%. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you're probably right. The, the one thing he has going for him is that the Patriots don't have any real star power at receiver. And there's a pretty good history of the Patriots taking later round receivers, Gunnar Oshesky, Julian Edelman, that just kind of pan out. And I feel like that position is open. There are There is some slots available depending on how their, their acquisitions in the offseason work out. But, yeah, I think that's a really cool, very deep-cut Patriots trivia tidbit of who was the very last player drafted by Ernie Adams. However, as we've seen with Dante Scarnecchia and other Patriots personnel, People can't seem to stay away from this team, so maybe he'll he'll come back and get bored in the offseason. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do in his retirement because I don't know what he did in his employment. So the mystery <laughs> rolls on, but I think it's always good to get a receiver late, take a flyer on a guy. Maybe he'll pin out. Maybe he'll become the next punt returner like Gunner is. Who knows? But overall, Rich, I think this was an absolutely fantastic draft. If I had to do one of those classic stupid draft grades, I'm giving him an A. I know a lot of the Boston media is upset he didn't trade out of the first round and trade into next round because they can't be happy no matter what he does. But uh, overall, thrilled with this, this draft so far. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I think that based off of the entire offseason, as you mentioned, this has been just one of the best uh, in, in recent memory. This is a completely remodeled Patriots team, right? Like, let's, let's run through all of the big changes that they've made. They brought in two new tight ends, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, top two guys in the entire, like, league at the position they brought in matthew judon helped with the pass rush up front they brought in nelson aguilar kendrick Bourne at wide receiver they brought back kyle van noy devon godshaw coming over from the dolphins as a good run defender you know they've upgraded at quarterback with mac jones giving them a lot better depth than jarrett stidham brian hoyer they got the best defensive lineman in the draft with christian barmore they added a versatile edge rusher in ronnie perkins and then they added some additional depth at the running back position Honestly, Alec, this team is so different from what they fielded last year. I could not be more excited to see how they develop this offseason. So to that end, Rich, I want you to give me your favorite pick of the draft, your least favorite pick of the draft, and your prediction for the player that has potentially make the biggest impact as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the draft that I or pick that I was most excited for was the Mac Jones pick just because the quarterback position is the glamour role. But my favorite pick is going to be the Barmore one. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think that Jones obviously is, has a lot of potential, but Barmore was the biggest steal for the Patriots. The best defensive lineman. It's been a minute since the Patriots have had that caliber of a defensive lineman. I'm not saying he's the next Vince Woolfork. He's a very different player. It might be more similar to Akeem Hicks, as I mentioned. But that is someone who, when the Patriots have them on their defensive front, they're just a much better team. 
They're a much better team overall when they have a Barmore player. He's someone that I see an immediate role for as a day one rookie and is someone who the Patriots just don't get the opportunity to draft in a regular year. They don't get to get these blue chip players, and they got one uh, in, in a way that isn't associated with like an injury or something like that. So I, I think Barmore is going to be a very successful player for the Patriots, and I, I think that he was just the best value overall. No, that's a great pick. I love that guy. I mean, I, get it. I think he's going to be right in there. I think the, the line is one of the easier places to transition, the line and running backs. Uh, and a space-eating guy like Will Fork was, definitely not the same kind of guy, but he's still still a big dude at, at 6'5", 315. So uh, he will definitely help fortify that retooled front seven. Uh, my favorite pick, uh, honestly, is also my least favorite pick in that it's <laughs> Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones is so exciting in that they have a quarterback in the future. He's a great fit. He's a Alabama guy. The Billichick saving connection is noted and famous. Least favorite because... Again, like we all kind of saw this coming. I, I don't know if that, that bodes well for <laughs> or just the karma of the world. If Ernie Adams retires and the Patriots did something we all saw coming, that might be kind of bad juju, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, like it's one of those uh, how often does it ever happen and how often do those things happen and pan out? You know, like I, I feel like there's been a few picks that have telegraphed that, like obviously the Patriots are going to get them. You know, like obviously the Patriots are going to get Dante Hightower. Obviously the Patriots are going to get this Rutgers guy. Obviously the Patriots are going to get Brandon Spikes. Like those sorts of things were just obvious and telegraphed. Mac Jones is one of those players where it's like you couldn't have assembled a better player for the Patriots to get in the middle of the first round. You know, like obviously if they got Trevor Lawrence, that would be unbelievable. That's just never going to happen. Of the other four top quarterbacks, I think that Mac Jones is the best like style fit for what New England has historically done at the quarterback position. I, I think that you know Justin Fields would have been a, a great fit to learn under Cam Newton if the New England wanted to pivot in an entirely different direction from what they typically do on offense. But they have their playbook, they have their approach that they like to do, and there's no better fit than Mac Jones for that. And here's some good news, Rich. That might kind of cancel out any weird karma that goes with us seeing what Belichick's going to do uh, in a completely unprecedented move in a offseason. As of this podcast, the Patriots have yet to sign a single undrafted free agent. I think one of the maybe the only team in the league that hasn't yet. I'm not sure about my sources on that one, but definitely a weird feeling for them not to pick up 10 to 12 guys on the day after the draft. <laughs> yeah, so totally. maybe that balances things out. Totally. And like the Patriots have had a very long stretch of having an undrafted free agent appearing on their week one roster. And it's been a long time since they haven't done that. So who will it be? We don't know. The Patriots have about seven roster spots available uh, to, to populate. You know, the Jakob Johnson is one of those exempt players. So he doesn't count on that uh, tally for them. Uh, coming into the international program. So New England has space for it. I wouldn't be shocked if they filled that with some other veterans uh, that no longer count towards the compensatory draft thing. You know, if a Jason McCourty returns, I wouldn't be shocked. If a Demir Bird returns, I wouldn't be shocked. I think Bird would be a great uh, backup to Aguilar on the outside. I think they have good skill sets. And Bird was a successful player for the Patriots last year, given very difficult circumstances. Uh, and it would make sense to add McCourty to bolster a secondary that didn't add a young player. Uh, but we'll see how that happens. Uh, th there are going to be some undrafted players roster, even if they haven't announced them yet. Uh, but we will see. I mean, I, I think I am more excited for this Patriots offseason than I've been in a long time, just because I think that uh, you know it's it's a whole new team. 
it, it is a whole new team where, uh, you know, sadly Julian Elliman's retired. <laughs> sadly Patrick Chung's retired. Brady's no longer with the team, but he'll probably play for another ten more years. This <laughs> this is a team that you look at the old guard and you're like, who is still here? You have your uh, Devin McCourty, you have your Matthew Slater, and that's kind of it, right? There's like not a lot of players that have been around the block for a super long time with New England, and so. This is just a whole new roster, a whole new team that isn't fully just linked anymore to Tom Brady, and like it gives it a, a fresh take that I'm excited to see. Yeah, man. I mean, if there's going to be a dynasty 3.0, uh, that's an almost impossible ask, given how successful they've been over the past two decades. It's going to have started in 2020 and 2021, two very eventful years for the Patriots. Should be a lot of fun to watch going forward. Again, they're definitely not done. I'd love to see them bring in some more wide receivers. That's going to be one of the really fun camp battles I can't wait to watch. They'll probably bring in another special team safety guy. There's going to be some undrafted free agents they sign over the course of the coming weeks and months. But, uh, again, like you said, man, I have not been this energetic and enthusiastic about an offseason in a really long time. And, it's again, I'll take a Super Bowl win over a fun offseason any day of the week. But we have six of those, so <laughs> it's kind of good to change up a little bit, you know? Yeah, totally. And this fun offseason, I truly do believe, have set them up for success that could lead them to another Super Bowl. You know, Mac Jones pans out. This is a team that is built for a, a long-term success. You have your tight ends on multi-year contracts. You have a talented running back crew on the offensive line on multi-year contracts. So you have a lot of potential on offense, and then I really do enjoy what they've done on their defense uh, they're getting a little bit old in the secondary, uh, but they have some younger players waiting in the wings. So I, I think that this is overall just a very promising uh, development for New England. And Alec, I'm very much looking forward to breaking this down with you over the course of the offseason. Do you have any final thoughts on the 2021 NFL Draft? I better shut up while I'm still happy, Rich, because if I stay on this podcast much longer, I'm going to talk myself out of it. So <laughs> let's get out of here. Well, then, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later, man.